we're constantly inundated with this whole idea that we don't have enough, that, that we need to constantly worry and be in fear about something's going to happen, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's difficult for people to take a risk because when you're constantly in this, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And here's all the things that could go wrong. You, why would you, why would you ever venture into the unknown? Whereas if you ventured into the unknown with like, what's all the things that could go right, you know, and even if some things do go wrong, what if I discover one or two things that could go right? You know, what if I learn something new, you know? This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you know, sometimes you start out with a hey, hoping that it's going to like some some other words are going to come and then they just don't. This was one of those times. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for listening in on the podcast today. Uh, We're uh, we're continuing uh, a little bit of a tradition of 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 kind of just jumping in and seeing what happens almost like, you know, we come from acting backgrounds. So it's like, it's, it's like going back to improv roots. Let's just do this thing. Uh, we do have, uh, kind of an idea of what we're exploring today. Um, and it's, it's based on, on definitely, I mean, for myself, some, some personal things and, and some decisions and choices and directions that, uh, that I've made recently. So I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, a couple of words swirling around for me right now are, um, you know, principles in practice, um, which is something that uh, I, I'm learning about and in many ways um, making leaps of faith as well. Um, Brandon, I know that in, in this conversation, you're interested in, you know, getting into you know, sometimes we have to do things that, um, go against, go against sort of the, the status quo and things like that. Things that don't quite align with how things, uh, have been done or, or how perhaps things are expected to be done. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, territory and these things are all related to each other. Um, I think in this conversation, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into this one, Brandon. You got uh, you got a few things to to set the table with. Well, I would say that what you shared before we started the conversation, you shared just a little brief bit about. I'm excited to investigate that and look into that and kind of talk about how that might expose a little bit of why going against common thought or common practices is not only an artistic thing or a creative approach to life, but also a really advantageous option. I think there's something about this conversation, which is creating room for an experimental element of discovering what is possible, because I think that there's a mistake made where we come into things. And I think it's a lot to do with our education system. I think our education system sets us up poorly for our best selves. I think it sets us up in certain ways, which are good, don't get me wrong, but I think for the most part, the real special parts of us, it doesn't actually set us up very well. And it's not, it's not exactly the education fault because education is standardized and it needs to be standardized to try and create a consistency and a regularity and a, a reliability or dependability and making sure that everybody kind of comes out with essentially very similar things. Yeah. But I think that as adults and hopefully adults that inspire this into children is that, yeah, that's basic. That's your basic need, but, but there's more to life than what you basically need. It's not just about having the basics. It's about thriving. It's about exploring that unknown, that territory of potential. And there isn't really standardized programs, at least not at this stage in our evolution as humankind. Mm -hmm. So I think, what we're kind of talking about is we're talking about beyond basics. We're talking about what are the options beyond basics? And that's going to require experiment, exploration, discovery, uh, risk, 
um, going against status quo ideas sometimes, and sometimes going against what you basically know and actually doing the opposite of it because it, there's this rule in, in um, screenwriting, which I'll kind of try to parallel it to, is that in screenwriting, you learn the rules so you can break the rules. But until mm -hmm. you've learned the rules, breaking the rules is not very advantageous usually because you don't know what you're breaking. You don't know what it does. You don't understand the cause and effect. But once yeah. you learn the rules really well, you actually, to, be, to move from semi-professional into professional is actually about learning how to break those rules. And you see yeah. that with like a Tarantino or a Scorsese or, you know, someone <laughs> yeah. like that. Right. So I think that's kind of what we're talking about. If that's my best yeah. kind of input into this. So, yeah. Yeah. No, the rule breaking, that's a, that's a, a great word. I think that you've brought into this conversation. And, and interestingly enough, I, um, I'm about halfway through my, my second watching of, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. And I, there's all, it's almost better the second time around. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, like, I it recently too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it, it does, it's, it breaks so many conventions, you know, even though in many ways, like it's it, there's so many tips of the hat to other movies and other shows in it. There's just still something that's so, um, unquestionably original about it. And yeah, like just the way that it structures and weaves this tapestry of, of this thing, it's, it goes against pretty much how everyone makes movies today, you know, at least big movies today. Yeah. And yeah, like the, the rule, rule breaking, it's, it's so funny because, uh, we're, we live in this, in this kind of conflict with ourselves around that, because on the one hand, we idolize rule breakers. You know, we hold up rule breakers on a pedestal um, for a lot of the things they end up accomplishing because they've had to break rules in order to move something forward in order to, you know, that's how you change the game in, in a lot of ways is, is it can only come through breaking those rules, but usually it's an intelligent breaking of the rules. As you said, it's, it's a mindful understanding of how you're doing it when you're doing it. Um, and we idolize it. And so many of like, we're talking about movies and stories. So many of like our, our stories of the heroes are people who went against the grain, broke the rules. Um, and, and we admire it so much, but then when it comes into practice, <laughs> You know, when it comes into actual day-to-day -day life, um, rule breakers are are often um, shat upon um, for for a period of time, and uh, and that's you know there's there's a number of reasons for that. Rule breakers upset um, kind of our our security to a certain extent, you know, because the rules are are a kind of security blanket that we have for ourselves, and anything that upsets that security blanket is um, you know, immediately questioned and, and it's not wrong to question it, you know, like, uh, but, uh, maybe we're getting a little bit in the weeds here, but I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, what you're talking about as far as, as rule breakers, because, um, yeah, you know what, there's a lot of rules. Some of them are more clearly set and some of them are kind of more unconscious or subconscious rules that we live with, which we could maybe call conditioning. Yeah. Right. Like you were, I, I know I'm talking a bit here, but you know, you're talking about, about, uh, education and, and uh, I don't know what I was going to say, but, um, you know, it's like, it's great that we have education, but as you said, it, it doesn't necessarily foster a person really figuring out who they are, which is arguably, what we're all here to do, you know, like fundamentally is to, you know, almost any spiritual tradition would, would say that, Hey, fundamentally, we're here to learn who we are. We, you're, you're here to learn who that person that you call self is, um, beyond, beyond anything else. And so education can definitely help us find certain things about ourselves, but it doesn't necessarily directly, facilitate that it's it's can get a little bit bogged down in um fitting in it can get a little bit bogged down into you know being a 
a cog in the machine, a brick in the wall to use all of these things. And, you know, yeah, it, we need to have certain things that we come together on as a society. We live in societies and we rely on each other and, and that we have to acknowledge that and we have to respect that. Um, but, uh, as you said, there's something more too. There's, there's, there's that other component that needs to be, that needs to be honored and explored as well. I think, okay. So kind of to, to add into what you're saying there, I think what's really important about rule breaking or bending is that people understand that you can do it when it's not like an ego thing. It's, it's, there's actually a lot of room to bend and break rules when it's not about like self-serving ego. Um, I don't care about anybody else. I just care about myself and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, when you come at it from that rule breaking and rule bending is mostly frowned upon. And that's why we have rules in a lot of ways, because we don't want people to be selfish assholes, right? Like we don't want that in this society, in this culture. And I think that's a fair thing for anybody to ask who is kind of like status quo rules, you know, keep the general like total line kind of do this, right? Um, but the thing is, is if you come at it from a place of ethics, when you come at it from a place of principle, when you come at it from a place of um, a deeper understanding of why the rule is there in the first place, and you kind of look at it like, okay, what does this rule uphold? And is there like, is there a way around that without like letting go of what it upholds? So for example, mm-hmm. um, when I was, uh, when I was younger, man, well, and we're always younger when we tell a story, but (laughs) I was younger. Um, anyway, uh, I, um, I sped and in my car, in my vehicle, I sped. And anyway, there was this development in Vancouver where I think that the city planners didn't really think about fully what they were doing. They created a, uh, basically, which is kind of a, a, a road with a couple lanes, which is a pretty fast road, which is supposed to only be 50 kilometers, right? And then two merge lanes, one on the left, one on the right, that come in at the exact same time under, a like you go under kind of an overpass into an area where not too far past this, these two merging lanes kind of coming in to where people are trying to push through the middle, there's a turning lane not too far ahead. So for you to navigate this area, not only do you have to deal with traffic merging from two sides, so you have to be able to look over your left and over your right, and you've got four lanes, you go from two lanes to four lanes of traffic, not only that, but it bends, the road bends around a corner, so you can't necessarily see the next side, and then there's a turning lane that comes up, Right, so it's complicated. A clusterfuck of road design. A clusterfuck of a design. They actually changed this, and I think that part of, actually, I have this sneaking suspicion that that might have actually been changed because of an argument that I made in in a court because I I sped in this thing, right? Well, anyway, I was coming through the area and I had to merge left, um, and I had to go around this corner and then I had to take a left, and right when I went past the merge lane into this kind of rounded road where I was about to have to take a left and deal with that. Um, there was a police officer there and he pulled me over and he said, you're speeding. And so I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I was like, this is bullshit. I wasn't like, I wasn't even speeding that much. And I'm like, I was driving safe. So anyway, when I went into court, um, to argue this ticket, they, the, the judge said, okay, now you can cross-reference the officer. And so when I cross-referenced the officer, I said, I want to ask you this. Is it better to never speed and take an accident, or is it better to speed to avoid an accident? And obviously, being a good police officer, he has to say it's better to avoid the accident, because the whole reason why we have speeding in the first place is to avoid accidents. So I said, look, I was speeding but I was doing it mindfully. And I explained the situation as I did to you guys here, to the, to the judge and to the court. And I said, look, like this is a complicated area. And yes, I sped when I was older and I took those tickets and I never complained about them. I paid them, but I'm going to tell you right now, 
that I was speeding, but I was speeding mindfully and I was doing it, you know, and, and the judge yeah. sided with me and I got to walk out and I'd have to pay the ticket. And the thing is, is that, yeah, technically I broke a rule, but the thing is, is why does the rule exist in the first place? What are we trying yeah. to do here? And um, I think a really important part of this for artists to understand, and whether you're a screenwriter or whether you're an actor, or whether you're a painter, there's rules in place. They're trying to do something, but sometimes the rule actually hinders your ability to do what the rule is trying to do. So you need to yeah, break yeah. the rule. You need to bend the rule. So yeah, um, it's, it's like yeah. a general thing. Like, and, and yeah, like it's a sort of speeding and speed limits are, are kind of a nice little example of this because in general, the speed limits exist because it keeps people safe. Yes. Right. It keeps people safer. Like we control how fast everybody's going. And that way it's like we're we're controlling some of the, the chaos that is, you know, the roadways. Right. Overall, it prevents um, accidents more often. However, it doesn't always prevent accidents. Like even I remember in driving school when I was, you know, getting my license and, and taking getting training, you know, like they would teach you. It's just like. Look, it does if you're on a roadway and everyone is going faster than you are, but you're obeying the speed limit, you're actually the danger. Like you are actually the the dangerous person on the road if you're driving slower than everybody else, even if you're actually going at the speed limit, right? You're presenting a hazard. So it's like there is this sort of recognition um you know, and it's fascinating because so much of this comes down to being present, paying attention and being present. Like that's what you have to do to break rules. You have to actually understand the thing that's right in front of you. When you're just following an arbitrary rule, an arbitrary system, uh, as we've discussed in previous podcasts before, you know, like uh, systems are systems are just things that have like are they work until they've met a problem that they haven't faced yet. You know what I mean? Um, or like a, a book that I remember reading, I can't remember the name of it now, it was by Ken Wilber though, but it was something that a professor had had taught him, which was like any good system uh, is one that lasts long enough to get you to the next system. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I love that when you've shared that before. That's a really, yeah. really important point. Yeah, like it's it's change. You know, life is change, and 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 we have if we don't acknowledge that, if we don't um, accept that things are constantly changing, things might not always hold up nicely to the rules that we have set out as as sort of well designed as they are. They're always systems, and they're always susceptible and vulnerable to the ever-changing conditions of life. Yes. Yeah. So rule breakers are really like, you have to be so present-minded to do it. You know what I mean? It's a recognition that it's like, it's a recognition of change. It's like, yeah, no, this doesn't work anymore. You know, that's how we've made progress in so many areas. It's just like, well, this is a stupid. We can't, we can't do this thing anymore. There's a better way to do this now, right? So... If I could, I'd like to throw out an idea that it's not necessarily, I, I'd say maybe we don't look at it as like rule breakers. We look at it as rule challengers, you know, yeah. people who are willing to challenge these things because rules are, rules are ultimately man-made, you know, they're, they're, they're made and we're flawed, right? Like, even if we develop technology to create rules, we still created the technology. And there's this whole argument with, with technology that, if we create technology that's automated for us, will we in, in inevitably put flaws in it that actually end up causing problems, right? So yep. I think that with all rules, we need to at least, we need to not look at them as black and white. We need, they, they might be mostly black or mostly white, like mostly one or the other side, but there's a gray area to all rules. And sometimes rules are, are not only arbitrary or out of date, but they're dumb. They're bad rules. They're they're actually really, really shitty rules that are like based on biases and racism and all sorts of shit. Like back in yeah. the day in America, there was two different sinks, one for white people, one for colored people. Now, if we had that today, people would be like, that's absolutely nuts. 
Why yeah. would we, why would we do that? Right. But yet these stupid rules, they'll come up, you know, you don't have to look far and then you go, well, that's a stupid rule, but not everyone sees that it's stupid yet. So you're going to yeah. need people to challenge that. You're going to need people to go like, hold on a second. Like, and, and sometimes it's not just people challenging it. It's not like you challenge it and everybody wakes up. It's like you challenge it and you challenge it and you challenge it and you challenge it. And then over time, people begin to see it. And I think, um, you know, I want to read something because I wrote this the other day. I write every day, as you know, and I wrote this little blurb because I do these little things and I write every day and I try to write down something that I come across or a thought I have as I philosophize and work through things. <laughs> but here's my little quote. That's a little bit crude because I just wrote it, but it's about being a critical thinker and being connected to your mind, body, and spirit all at the same time. It's about allowing inner light to guide you and to have faith beyond your very existence so that you can find a deeper meaning and purpose in all that you do, whatever that might be. Now, the whole faith in something more, it's like if you're working on a piece of art, you have to have faith that the story you're telling has something more to it than you even know it has that, that you're not just telling the story you think you're telling. You're not just painting the picture you think you're painting. You're not just writing or making the song you think you're making. There's something else in it. There's mm -hmm. something unknown. There's this untangible. And even if it's only 1%, but maybe it's even 10 or 20%, but there's something in there. That's a discovery. That's a, an exploration. And I think, um, this conversation is a lot about what's that 10%, what's that 20% or 1%, like, what is that? And maybe there's mm -hmm. magic there. Right. And if we open ourselves up to it and we don't be so arrogant to assume that we a hundred percent know black or white, what this is, we, we, we allow ourselves room to learn, to grow, to discover and expand, which I think is ultimately the biggest goal. And I think really in a lot of ways, Evan, I think that's the point of this this podcast is like, we want people to find that little extra bit and expand into their unknown, their, their yeah. potential, their possibility. Yeah. And, and and if the rules can, limit you from that, you got to break them. You got to challenge them. Yeah. And what can, what can come out of that? Like you, you don't know until you, you cross that, that bridge, you know, until yes. you make that, that sort of leap, which is, this is kind of providing a nice, um, almost a nice segue here um for for a couple of other elements of this of this conversation um that we had we had initially discussed there was something that uh before we move on to that though that i wanted to to touch on but what the hell was it brandon what <laughs> the hell was it the unknown thing oh something well, about that it was the extra ten percent, the extra little bit, um, extra ten percent, that little bit. Well, it'll come back. It usually all does. Right. All right. Um, so yeah, I I want I I, I do want to share this this thing because I I've already mentioned it, um, just in terms of of part of what's inspired this conversation to a certain extent. So, I mean, uh, to any regular listeners, um, you know, you might be aware of maybe maybe you're not, but. Uh, you know, like I run an acting school. Um, I work with non-actors as well, but um, you know, I I work with you know Meisner technique and and help actors um, through that technique and in training. And uh, I've been doing this since like the fall of 2014. Now I've been teaching Meisner, and and uh, you know my business is uh, through that has gone through a number of different changes, and uh, I recently changed my entire model uh of this of the school to pay what you can and it was something that i was an idea that kind of swirled in my head for a number of years but was based on what i had been learning about business based on what a number of my teachers and and coaches had had sort of said it's like oh no you can't you can't do that right like that's that that won't work. And, and here's all the reasons why. And there's a lot of very good, um, logical reasons why, you know, for, for what they were saying, it wasn't a malicious thing, but there was certain aspects about what I was learning that always kind of bothered me. And, uh, you know, 
a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, I, I arrived to this decision that I was going to try this thing out because there was actually nothing that was stopping me from doing it um, uh, in terms of being able to do my business that way other than my own sort of fears around it, fears about whether it would work or not, um, that it was not, it, it was not something that I had been told could work um, as, as a business model. And, you know, it's still early days, but so far I have been so touched and inspired by the response that, uh, it has been getting and by the generosity and, and trust that it is now created in my business. Um, the people that it's helping me to connect with and, and it feels like it's, it, it's now coming from a completely different place. Like I find that just in little ways, since I've made this change, I've, there's a degree of honesty that has come that, that is that I've now touched on within myself in this thing where it's like, I'm no longer because I'm not putting, well, here's the barrier and the point of entry. And it's an arbitrary number and here you go. And this is what it is. And don't get me wrong. I understand that not every person can do this and not every business or person's, you know, livelihood, um, will necessarily allow them to, to, to do this. I get that. I'm a service-based business, you know, like it's, it's, that allows me a bit of freedom. Um, but I find that what it has done is that I am communicating more honestly with my students. Not that I was being dishonest necessarily. I mean, at least not intentionally, but I find that I am now free in a way that I didn't feel free before. Free to actually teach and talk about the things that I'm I'm genuinely passionate about. Um, I feel more free to acknowledge the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not good at. You know, to be able to tell a student, it's like, well, this is not really why you want to come to me, right? I don't really do that particularly well, you know, or I know a little bit about that, but there's other people who are better at that than I am. So go and see those people. But this is what I do, and this is what I do really well. Is that something that, that sounds good to you, right? And it's, it's, it's so exciting and it's so like, it, it is, I'm definitely still in that unknown space, but for me kind of bringing this back around and in, in terms of that statement I made before principles in practice and to a large degree, this was a way that I understood that I could put some of my principles into practice, which is that. I feel like we are in a society, particularly in Western society, that is obsessed, uh, has an unhealthy obsession with being a big deal, um, that has an unhealthy obsession with more, <laughs> you know, just more, 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 more. And it's something that I acknowledge that I still deal with, you know, that still like has its clutches in me. Um, and as much as I was mindful about that thing and tried to mitigate that as much as possible prior to this decision, uh, it's, it's something that I realized like, no, this is a way that I can maybe do something a little bit different that isn't about that. That's really making it about the work that we're doing together, making it about the community that we have together, making it about the connection that we have with each other as the first priority. This is the first priority and see what happens. Let's see where, like where we can go and what we can do with that. And it's something that like, I was so nervous and scared about it when, when I realized that like, I'd basically already made the decision that <laughs> I was going to do this. I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm going to do this. Can you, I'm, can you explain like what it is that you did? Cause like, I feel like the, the way you're talking sounds a little bit cryptic. Like, I mean, you told me. Did I not, I did I, I not mention that it's pay what you can? 
I don't did know. I, if you did. I thought I had I'm mentioned not, it. Well, basically, I changed my. I changed. Yeah. So like, it's it's my school is pay what you can. Um, my classes are pay what you can. My coaching, if you want to coach with me, it's pay what you can. Um, and you know, there's it's it's changed the way that I do things. Like I I I talk to any new person now. Like we we have a we have a face to face and we have a conversation before we work together. Um, just to make sure that we're a fit, make sure we're, that it's going to be a a, a good thing and building a relationship out of trust and, and having an exchange with each other out of, out of a sense of trust and respect and appreciation for each other. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it's early days still with it, but so far I've been so incredibly blown away by the response um that that i've i've had so far um that makes me go maybe this is this can work mm-hmm. you know despite despite you know all of the advice to the contrary that i've received over the years i'm like this could actually potentially work it's all it's all really based on where what it is that you want to do Right. And, uh, for, for myself and what I wanted to do on a bigger level, um, not simply just based on, on the numbers of it all, but what do I actually want to do? Um, that this is where, where I want to lead from. And it was a way that I, I saw, it was just a, a place that I saw, I can, I can put this into practice in a real way. Not just in a in a philosophical ideological way in my life, which you know a lot of us can get stuck in in that space, but actually make it real in some way and and it carries that ideology with it in practice. Something that comes up for me is the mindset around the whole thing. It's like abundancy mindset. And I mean, people talk about this whole abundancy or scarcity mindset. And when you talk about, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this pay as you can thing. You're going to be confronted with this scarcity mindset or abundancy mindset. And a scarcity mindset is like, well, what if people don't pay enough or what if they don't pay really anything? Or what if, you know, this really undervalues me, that's all scarcity thought. Right. Mm -hmm. And then abundancy is like, is, is looking at it, I think from a different place. And that might be that like, what if this allows somebody to work with me that otherwise wouldn't be able to work with me? What if this, this, what if they actually pay more than what I would want them to do? What if, um, you know, what if, uh, it, it opens the opportunity for something that wasn't available before? What if this is a new way of doing business? Like those are all abundancy mindset explorations of the unknown. And I think the thing about like, rule challenging or rule bending or breaking, however you want to look at it is like, when you come at it from a place of scarcity, it's all just a big risk, right? But when you come at it from a place of abundance, when you come at it from a place of like, openness, you look for possibilities, you look for possibilities in the positive. And Mm -hmm. I think that one of the challenges that that is a part of our culture is that we're constantly inundated with this whole idea that we don't have enough, that, that we need to constantly worry and be in fear about something's going to happen, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's difficult for people to take a risk. Cause when you're constantly in this, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And here's all the things that could go wrong. You, why would you, why would you ever venture into the unknown? Whereas yeah. if you ventured into the unknown with like, what's all the things that could go right, you know, and even if some things do go wrong, what if I discover one or two things that could go right? You know, what if I learn something new, you know? Hey, it's Evan with a quick public service announcement. If you're enjoying the conversation you're hearing and finding it helpful, then please help us and take a second to subscribe to the podcast. And we can all be people helping other people. And that's awesome. Now back to the show. Yeah. So I think there's this you know, that's the leap of faith part of it. Right. And, uh, you know, these days people don't really, 
in general, I find like to talk about faith because they pair that with maybe religion or something like that. But faith is an incredibly important part of our, our existence. Like you, you know, at some point, I think you got to bet on yourself, you know? And I think that if you don't, you're going to get old or you're going to come to a day where you're going to meet your, your end. And you're going to be like, I should have bet on myself. So, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to have a heart to heart with yourself, you kind of got to go, okay, what is it going to take for me to bet on me? What's it going to take for me to take a little risk on, on, on what's possible, you know? And, you know, I think one of the best things from a business point of view, particularly with a service business is when you get yourself into demand, all problems go away. And in a, in a large way, part of the, you know, part of the challenge is that people, they don't, they don't offer value as their primary focus. They try to get value as their primary focus. And this kind of goes back to our last talk, but when you try to get value as your primary focus, there's so many people out there doing that. It doesn't make you special at all. You're just another person trying to get. But if you go out there and you try to offer incredible amount of value, and that's your focus, and you continually put that out, that actually immediately makes you kind of a rare and special and valuable and important person. And what that does is it puts you into demand. And then once you become in demand, you know, everything's abundance because everybody wants what's in demand. And we live in Western culture, we live in a supply and demand world. And if there is not a lot of supply of something and you can give supply, you're special. I mean, it's really that simple. It really is. Yeah. You know, it really is that simple. And I think like the thing you're doing right now is interesting because it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of people right now, you know, they, they, and a lot of artists just in general, and they struggle, you know, they go through financial ups and downs. So having a business model like that is really great because, you know, Hey, I'm flush this month. I, I booked a gig, you know, I'm doing well, I'll pay a little bit more next month. I'm struggling. I, I don't even know how I'm going to stay in class. Okay. But it still works. Do what you can do what you can to keep going. And, you know, and when people value something and they're not takers, they, they, things tend to balance out, I think too, you know? Um, and you know, the thing is, is that another, another, just another side note is like the people who are on takers who are always trying to get, they tend to get weeded out of the cream of the crop. The people who are constantly giving the people who are, who keep their word that hold their value, they tend to rise to the top. Um, at least in like ethical kind of collaborations, you know, where people actually are doing something with, with uh, generosity, honesty, and abundance. Those people tend to rise to the cream of the crop. So in, in a certain way, your very system might just end up getting you the cream of the crop type of people. Whether they're the wealthiest or not is kind of irrelevant because it actually helps them you know, just kind of have a chance to, to be, to be people that are trying to, you know, do what they can, which is ultimately all we can do. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know what to say really at this point, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's definitely been interesting. And, and just to, to actually to touch on a little bit, um, you know, when you're talking about, like abundance, you know, this whole thing of abundance and scarcity. There's probably a lot of people out there who are familiar with this sort of thing. It's, it's definitely big in like the, the personal development growth and, and, and business, you know, world there, this idea. And yeah, like that was one of those things where it's just, it was like, oh, well, by doing this, that was one of the voices that was in my head. It's just like, by doing pay what you can, you are, devaluing or undervaluing yourself right which is kind of crazy because i actually there's that's not based on any sort of actual number like we don't know that that actually is a devaluing or undervaluing of myself because we haven't actually seen what people will are willing to give out of their own sense of of what's right 
which was another thing that was important to me. I was just like, hey, like, what would happen if we asked, if we became more mindful about what we are exchanging, you know, to really think about it, to, to rather than it just sort of be like a, a flat number, but it's just like really, really be mindful about that, you know, what that offering is. But um, uh, what was I saying? feel like I've been all over the place. Oh, scarcity, abundance. And yeah, so one of the things like it's a it's a devaluing or an undervaluing of yourself. And it's so interesting because uh when I came to that decision to change everything, I realized it was precisely the opposite. The way I had been doing things was creating a feeling of scarcity. Not only for myself but for 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 other students or for for people who potentially want to work with me it was cre- it was creating the scarcity it was creating the feeling which is actually a thing that is actually taught by a lot of business people is like you want to create this sense of scarcity because it makes you it makes you look special and that kind of shit and yeah. like i get it i get it but it was also something where i'm like yeah but i don't fucking agree with that to me that's not that there was something manipulative about that um, for me. And I didn't want to participate in that either. And, and maybe for some people it's true. Don't get me wrong. I do think that there are people who, you know, like particularly if you are in something where you actually provide a product, you know, like you have costs, you know, you have costs that you have to account for. And so you have to make sure that you're getting some, cause otherwise you, you will, you will go under. Right. Um, not that I don't have costs, but I can, there's ways that I can control those costs. Not as many people can do that, um, with, with certain businesses, but so you have to do a certain amount there. Um, but my switch felt like this is creating a sense of abundance for me. Um, pay what you can really gave me the sense of actually know what I have to offer is of value. And it it's given me an even stronger sense of that now um, because I have this sense of, I want to get this work to as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. I have, I, because I, I, I believe in it so much. Um, and I believe that people will also see it that way as well. I think people will also see it as valuable and and through that we will find uh, a relationship uh, together that 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 works for everybody. You know, it's it, like with business and service business, particularly. Like, there's also there's also so much di- dynamic elements to it all. And, and as an artist, it's the same way. Like. You know, there's there's uh, actors, for example, who you know they could make, you know, film a few million, if not more, per picture, but then they'll go and they'll do this film where they'll they'll take almost nothing, or they'll take like just you know thousands or tens of thousands, or maybe even a hundred thousand, yeah. just so they can do a film that they really believe in, right? They'll 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 do this because what's more important is getting that movie made or yeah. being a part of that movie than it is to make the money. And I think that there's, it's not, it doesn't all have to be so black and white. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, like if you end up getting so many clients that want to be a part of your pay what you can program, I mean, you probably will hit a point where you go, okay, well, I can only do so much before like no one else can really kind of come into this because like, and I'm only willing to give X amount of time to teaching per week because it's as important of a mission as it is of what you're building. I mean, it's still important that you have some time for yourself to go down to the beach, to read a book, to meditate, to do all this other stuff. And you're, you know, like if your whole life becomes, I'm just going to teach other people this thing. I mean, maybe you want to do that, but maybe you don't. So then scarcity in it becomes a natural thing where there's just not enough space. And I think that you can have like a tier system where, you know, you have the pay what you can. And then if you really want to add anything else, you can say, okay, well, 
look, I put together this package and it's a standardized price to do this thing. You know, it's a, it's a intensive or it's this thing. And if you want to do it, this is what it is. But if you want to do this, it's pay what you can. You know what I mean? And yeah, th- th- there's all sorts of options. I mean, I think what's important here and why I'm saying this is that we don't need to be so rigid. We can be flexible. We can be open mm-hmm. and we can change as we go along. It doesn't always like just because you make a decision or you try something doesn't mean that you're stuck in that forever. And I think what's really important for people to keep in mind is that, you know, you don't have to get so locked into everything. You know, yeah. there's room. There's 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 a dynamic and explorative part of figuring this stuff out for yourself. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I just think I think it's cool what you're doing. I mean, I definitely. You know, when you told me kind of what you were doing, I saw what you were doing. I was like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say like, you know what? I mean, it, it, but you know, I was thinking about that actually funny enough yesterday as I was taking the elevator down from my, my, my building. And I was just thinking like, I wonder, wonder if that can work. You know what I mean? Like, and it was nice to hear you share that today and hear that people were not only like that people were not only um, willing to, to just kind of pay what they can was to pay exactly what you had normally asked for before, or even pay more. I thought that was really a beautiful thing. Um, and the thing is, is that, yeah, it's like we can get locked into these ideas yeah. and we've never tested them. We've never tried them. I want to say one other thing about what you're doing, you know, the, the, it's kind of the sum is more than its parts kind of thing. And it kind of goes from the last conversation we had about collaboration where the value that you end up building might be something unexpected. It might be something that you don't see. And maybe you create an incredible amount of trust with your clients that other service-based businesses just don't. I know, for example, I work with one coach and I think he does an incredible job at creating systems and creating dynamics and stuff like this. But I would say that from a group perspective, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of trust in the group for him necessarily. I wouldn't say that people are uh, really loyal to it. Whereas I've worked with other coaches who they spend a lot more time on building the community element and it, it isn't that one is better than the other, but they do different things. And, um, you know, I think I, I, I lean a little bit, maybe this is just because of my values, but I lean a little bit more towards, I want, I want the trust. I want to build something where there's like a loyalty, right? And it really just depends on what you value because I'm talking a lot here, but I want to say like in, in, in the business of things, you have turnover and there's a burn rate. Now, just to kind of give people an explanation of this, because I think all artists need to really understand business practices. The burn rate is if you have a, say hundred clients, you got to expect that over the course of a year, there's probably going to be a 25% burn rate on average, if you're doing a good job, which means that 25% of your clients, 25 out of hundred clients are not going to be working with you the next year, most likely. So you you got to expect a 25% burn rate. Now, if you have a high burn rate, that means you have to get more clients more often. And if you have a low burn rate, you have less clients to, to have to acquire. But even if you're making, say, less money from uh, a lower burn rate, it's actually a lot easier work for you because you're not trying to replace the burn rate of the lost clients all the time. Whereas if you have a high burn rate, you might be making more money per client, but you have to do a lot of work to continue to get more clients. And if we were to pair this over to art, right? Let's just pair it over to the film world. If you work on a film and people love working with you, you're gonna have a low burn rate on your team, meaning that they're probably gonna rehire you, wanna work with you again, meaning that you're not gonna have to look for work so much. But if those people pay you less, you might not be making as much money, maybe, let's just say I'm using this example, 
but you don't have to look for work as much. Whereas you could have a high burn rate where you're constantly working with different people. Maybe they pay you more, but you always are in the state of looking for work. So different value system, different approach. It's not one's right or better, but I think we need to be open-minded that you can, you know, you can hybrid it. You can, you can work in one, work in the other, you know, it's, there's options is what I'm saying. <laughs> there's yeah. options. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Let's, uh, beer? let's take a, yeah, let's take a quick beer break. Um, I'm drinking a, uh, M- Mountaineer Pilsner. I feel like Pilsners have been like, we've been drinking a lot of these recently, both, both you and I. Um, and this one's from uh, Whistler Brewing Company. I think it's a kind of a new one. I've never seen it on the shelves before. Uh, so I picked one up and it's great. It's really good. It's like, as far as Pilsners go, you know, just enough, just enough flavor to it, but it's super crisp and refreshing and it's got a nice clean finish to it. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know what more you could, you could ask for in uh, in a Pilsner. Sounds good. Guess what kind of beer I'm drinking? <laughs> Tell me, Brandon. It's a Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is from Hoyn Brewing. Uh, it's just called the Hoyn Pilsner. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's uh, very tasty. Um, one thing I do notice about it is that I don't find it as bubbly as a lot of beers, but it, it's nice. It's like, it's kind of gives it a bit of a smoothness. I, I don't know if, um, I don't know if, if I'm noticing that or not, but anyway, I feel like sometimes also like you have a beer and on different days you want a certain type of beer and you're like, I love this beer, but it's like, also, I love this beer today. <laughs> it's the perfect beer today and anyway this is a great beer for today i'm super happy with it um but yeah we have been drinking a lot of pilsners obviously we didn't organize that and we both grabbed pilsners so seems to be uh seems to be a, a trend yeah um okay man well yeah let's wrap it up i think uh i think we've talked about some pretty cool things let me go first all right all right i'm just gonna say this is like i i i probably reiterate this in most most uh, episodes we do, but I mean, for, for all our listeners, like my wish for you is that you'll go out in your life and you'll bet on yourself, that you'll take a risk on yourself, that you'll go try some things, that you'll entertain some of your wild ideas. And that I would implore you not to do it for self-serving selfish reasons. And, and I want to caveat that by saying it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to be self-serving, but try to look at it from a, from terms of like, yeah, okay, this is what I want, but what can I give? What can I offer? What can I do? And try to entertain doing something different in the way that you give, you know? And I, I, I think that sometimes people don't realize that there is this incredible arena that you enter when you get into the state of giving. When you get into the state of offering value, not necessarily to get anything, but just to try to put your mark on the world is to say like, I can, I can be a value. I can offer value. I can help someone. I can do something good in the world. And you might not see immediate results from doing that. But if you start doing that, incredible things can happen. And to give you a personal antidote about this for myself the very first class I ever did, I taught people how to make a film. And I said to these, I said 21 people. And I said, they, they actually asked me if I would teach how to make a film in, in this group that I was involved in. And I said, I'll do it. But I have a couple things. You don't have to pay, but what you have to do is I want every day or every week, because it was once a week, I want you to give me a little bit of feedback on how that class went. And you have to show up every class and you have to finish your film. Like you have to follow through and do the work and you will finish your film. And they all did. Um, and we did a big screening and all that stuff, but I did it for free. And all my, and I said, the exchange is feedback. You show up and you do it. That was the exchange. It wasn't money. It's just, and this is like, it's, it's, it's all things they wanted anyway. 
But I said, this is what you got to do. And everybody said they agreed. And actually one person joined halfway through. And the whole class said to them, if you join us halfway through this, because they were like, can you please let me in? They were like, you have to not only make up all the work we've done, <laughs> but you have to like also complete what we're doing. And this person did. And it was incredible. And I'll tell you something, the, the next month, the first paid class I, or the first couple few paid classes I did, I made 12 grand just from doing classes. And then the next month I made 24 grand. And this was in a month. I made $36,000 within two months after doing a class entirely for free. So the power of giving is so incredible because the reason why I made it like I felt like a pretty decent amount of income for me, especially at the time was that everybody told their friends, everyone's like, this was awesome. I made my film. They've everyone got to show their film. They got to do the thing. And everyone's like, can I get in the class? And then I had to do like three classes a week just to accommodate all the people that wanted in. So, um, you know, giving your value and not worrying so much about what you get is a really important thing, but caveat on that, it does not mean that you don't hold people accountable. It does not mean that you don't ask for something. Sometimes it's not money that you need in exchange, but it's commitment or it's, yeah. I, I need feedback or I need something, but like, don't, don't, when you're, especially when you're doing a service, try to look at it as an exchange, as opposed to a one-way transaction, because everything yeah. is a two-way transaction. Um, even if, you're not getting a lot personally out of it. You're, you're giving them something to give because when you don't let people give you something back, you actually do them a disservice. Mm -hmm. um, that's why often when, if you're in line, I don't know if this has ever happened to people, but someone will buy someone a coffee ahead of, ahead of them. The next oh, yeah. person, like, I think they've done tests on this is like 90% of the time or 80% of the time buys a coffee for the next person. So it doesn't benefit the person in front, but it creates a chain reaction. Now, eventually chain reaction stops. Sometimes it stops immediately, but sometimes it goes on for a long time. Um, so there is a, there is this beautiful thing when you open yourself up to that. So yeah, I mean, it kind of breaks the rule. It kind of challenges the rule. So that's what I want to wrap up with for myself, Evan. What do you got? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. You've just brought up what you just did. You know, it's like that whole thing of like, like, if you give, you shall receive, um, you know, try and remove a lot of the religious connotations from that if you can. But, you know, and, and just see it as like, maybe there's just some sort of a perennial truth to this whole notion, you know, um, but the giving has to be complete, you know, it's a, it's a complete giving. It's not you know, cause you can't, I don't think you can game that one, <laughs> you know, but it is, it's, it's that, that whole notion. I think a lot of us can nod our heads and agree to it, but it's like, again, it's like, how is there a place where you can put that into practice? Is there a way where you can just shift your priorities a little bit to, to where your focus is more on what you're giving than what you're receiving? Because I think when you, you can start to actualize it as I'm starting to discover is that when you begin to actualize it, you begin to actually see how that's true. Um, and what you receive, what I've been receiving is, has been beyond just the, the, any kind of monetary compensation for my services. What I've been receiving has been clarity in what I'm doing, renewed passion in what I'm doing, um, as I was saying, like just kind of a discovering of a new kind of honesty, um, where I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to present myself as, as something that I'm not anymore. You know, like we do that in such small and subtle little ways where we try and, we try and give this image off to, to people about what we are. And, and I'm not sitting here saying that like, ah, yes, I've, I've now completely broken down all of those, you know, egotistic, you know, uh, walls and barriers and masks and stuff. But I know that some of them have come down through this process and that was completely unexpected. Mm. 
there is so many unexpected things that I've received so far in this process. And it just, I'm so encouraged to just keep on taking these little steps, these little leaps of faith that they're, they're coming from somewhere deeper inside of myself, you know, like, because that's the only way I made this decision to begin with, you know, because my logical brain was telling me that that's not a good idea, <laughs> you know, and it's been telling me that's not a good idea for a long time. But there was a part of me that said, that's been saying all of this time, it's like, no, that's a really good idea. Try it. See what happens. Just see what happens. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.